This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Matthew chapter 15, we're going to bring you a message tonight entitled Heartbeat. Matthew chapter 15, we're going to begin in verse number 10. We're going to read a a lengthy uh, passage here for just a moment. But Father, before I bring this message tonight, I pray that you will open your word to us. Holy Spirit, I can't do this without you, but I know this is a word from you. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Before I read this passage, let me tell you where this sermon came from. Christina actually asked me uh, what I was going to preach tonight, la- last night, and I, I said, you know, quite frankly, I don't know. I've been doing my sermons. Uh, normally, I, I do Wednesdays on Wednesday morning, but I've been doing them weeks in advance, and I've known for weeks in advance, and I just didn't know. And so this morning, I got up, and I went into my private prayer time, my private study time for me before I would start seeking God for us as a congregation. And, uh, and as soon as I got in my private prayer time, it's like God said, you can have your private time in a moment, but now let me just download this to you. And so this message came for tonight. I believe it's for you and I, and, and it's, it's about the condition of our heart. Matthew chapter 15, verse number 10 begins like this. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said. And try to understand, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him. You've got to understand, he wasn't just talking about you can do anything in life, but he was dealing with the people who were dealing with a religious spirit, what you could do in the religious sense. And he said, whoa, 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 that's not right. It's really more about what comes out of you. And then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. So ignore them. Don't you love the way Jesus talked? Amen. He said, I'm not real worried about about me offending them because uh, what they're saying is not a part of God's plan. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. Then Peter said to Jesus, explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Don't you understand, Jesus asked? Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. From where? That's what defiles you. From the heart come evil thoughts. From the heart comes murder. From the heart comes adultery. From the heart, all sexual immorality. From the heart comes theft. From the heart comes lying. From the heart comes slander. I want you to get that, what he's saying here. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, guys, we'll come back into this a little bit more in depth in a moment. He's saying, I want you to understand it's not a bunch of rules and a bunch of regulations that are going to make you right or wrong. It's what I'm doing on the inside of you. It's what you allow to live on the inside of you. And if you allow these things, these evil thoughts and murders and slanders and lying and all these different things to live inside of you, there's a problem. 
Now, sometimes you think you've got it all covered. Let me just ask you, how many of you love going through the security lines at the Atlanta airport? Anybody? Just just long to go through security. How many of you absolutely hate going through the security? Amen. I mean, it's an awkward moment. I have it down to a science, folks. I know I have a, a certain system. I take everything, put it in a certain place. I do it a certain way. And, 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 and literally, I usually just breeze on through. But ever so often, even though I'm breezing on through, they make me go over to the other line. You know the one where they take the picture of you for everybody to see? And when I get in that other line, I know I'm good. I have my system in place. I got it all down. I know I'm going to walk in and I always say something, something funny. And I'll say something like best physique you've seen in a while, right? I'll say something to them that, that's silly and I'll try to make them laugh. And, and usually they let me on through. But ever so often, they will detect something in a pocket that I didn't know was there. Like, like I wonder what I got. Like, I mean, I didn't plan anything. I'm just going to see. Look what's, in, look what's in my pocket. A little piece of plastic right now. All right, there's a bunch of other things back there I, I felt too. I'm not going to worry about what they might be. Come on, amen. But they'll detect something minute. Or maybe it's that the, the sleeve of my jacket that I'm wearing is rolled up a little too much. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and they'll pull me out and they detect some foreign, watch this, they detect some foreign material that's not supposed to be there. And so they take me aside and because of what they detected, further investigation is necessary. And listen to me carefully. Jesus said that if you want to go on a journey of faith, that you must, according to Luke 9 and 23... Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and do what? Take up your cross daily and follow me. Now, here's what I want you to understand. It is in the moment that we reach for our cross that our lives and the areas of our lives, what's happening, we will find out that's the scanner. That's where we realize if there's some foreign material in our life that shouldn't be there that can be detected. The cross cannot be fooled. When you pick up the cross, when you pick up the cross of Jesus Christ and you begin to embrace the truth of God's Word and the truth of what He said, everything that shouldn't be in your life will be exposed. And here's what Jesus said. He said, look, you, gotta, you can't carry these items upon your body. You can't carry these things because you don't carry the foreign material in your pocket. You carry it in your heart. You carry it down inside of who you are. You carry it there. You see, we are affected by the world around us. Can I get an amen for that? We have some, some areas of great darkness that we have to walk through. And what we see, but it really all comes down to this. How's your heart? Where's your heart? Are you guarding your heart? I mean, think about it for just a moment. Is your heart, is it full of foreign material? Has your heartbeat changed? Does your heart still break for what breaks God's heart? Does your heart still beat after the things of God? I'm preaching truth now. So the cross, the altar that we come to that alters our life is what checks us to see if there's foreign material inside of us. Now, several years ago, they, they did an experiment. 
And in this experiment, they broadcast it on television. In this experiment, they laid on the, the lab table, they laid out two beating heart tissues, okay? Both were still in, in a rhythm. They were beating heart tissues. And on this broadcast, National Geographic broadcast, these two heart tissues were beating. But as they're beating, they're not beating in the same rhythm, okay? They're beating in a different rhythm. And so as the experiment, the whole purpose they were trying to show in the experiment was with great tender care, watch this, listen to me carefully, with great tender care, they pushed the two heart tissues closer together and closer together until they were side by side. And watch this, at the instant, at the instant that the two heart tissues connected with each other, they immediately, immediately shifted into the same rhythm. Watch that. They were beating at a different rhythm. But all of a sudden, the moment they connected, the moment they touched, boom, same rhythm. They became in the same flow. They began to beat in that same rhythm. I don't know what it did that. I don't, I don't understand what caused that. But the two separate heart muscles began to beat in unison as one. Listen to me carefully. It is at the altar that we are brought closer to the heart of God. It is at the altar that we begin to have our lives changed to where our heart begins to beat in rhythm with God's heart. It's at the altar that we come closer and closer to who we're supposed to be. Can I tell you that I have gotten up from the altar and I still have some of the same bad habits I went to the altar with? But I was a step closer. I was growing. I was repenting. Because watch this. I want, I want, you, I, I want to give it to you the way that I received it today. You see, what happens at an altar when you go to the cross and you realize what Jesus did for you and you find the foreign material of your life, godly sorrow begins to move inside of your life because all of a sudden something shifts. And when godly sorrow begins to shift inside of our life, our hearts come closer to God's own heart. And the moment they touch, there is that rhythm, what's this, of repentance. Say, nobody shouted over the word repent. Come on now. What was the first word, message of Jesus? Repent. Repentance came. It's a Greek word here that means a change, a reversal of decisions. Okay? In other words, I may have been headed this way, but the closer I get to God at the altars of my life, He begins to alter my path and I have a change. There's a reversal of a decision. I might have said, I'll get you, but when I get up, God got me and everything is different. There's a change. Pastor Don, I need a change. Can I tell you where you'll find it? At an altar. Get on your knees before God. Pastor Don, you're wanting us all to be here every morning. Well, if you need to be, then fine. But what I want is for you to do the same thing that I've had to do. Find somewhere in your life and dig out a place that you're going to get along with God. 
And when you get along with God and you begin to come through the altar like we talked about Sunday, you begin to come past the altar, all of a sudden your life begins to show you what the foreign material is and you'll find out there's something wrong inside of you and as you say, God, I don't want anything between me and you, all of a sudden you come closer to the heart of God and you begin to beat with a different passion for Him. Preaching truth tonight, amen. You must have a change of mind. A change of heart that brings a change of behavior. It's not a shouting sermon. It's a changing sermon. Come on. And a good change will bring joy to your life. Good change will help you say, Whoa, I'm making progress. Come on now. Have you ever jumped up on the bathroom scale of your house? And suddenly... It's 15 pounds lighter than you thought it was supposed to be. You get all excited. You get fired up. And all of a sudden you look down and you realize that one of your children has been playing or grandchildren has been playing with the scale and they've turned the dial. Come on now. And it's not on zero. Suddenly the joy of progress that you have made is gone because you realize you're right where you thought you were. Come on. <laughs> but when God begins to change your life and you see progress, you see what you thought you could never beat, and all of a sudden you realize, you say, I hadn't stumbled in that way in a while. I haven't been down that dark path in a while. You'll say, whoa, glory to God. God's doing something in my life. And you find that at an altar where you get a hold of God. The Word changes us at our altars. Prayer affects us at our altars. Amen. You see, even powerful teaching brings about a conviction on our life that sends us to the altars. And Paul sent a letter of teaching because he couldn't send a message. Uh, uh, there was no, you know, no way to broadcast it. He was one place. And so he sends a letter to the Corinthians. And in the first letter to the Corinthians, he, he was pretty harsh. He dealt with some real strong sin. So he followed up with a second letter. And in chapter number 7 of the second letter, I'm going to read this to you tonight. Because we have these promises, dear friends... Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. That's a pretty good place to stop right there. Amen. Let's do something different because of where he found us. Come on. Let's change who we are because of what he's done for us. Let's have a change of behavior because of these promises and what God has done in our bodies and in our spirits. He's changing who we are. Let's do something better for the cause of Christ. Amen. He said, so please open your hearts to us. We have not done wrong to anyone, nor led anyone astray, nor taken advantage of anyone. I'm not saying this to condemn you. I, I said before that you are in our hearts and we live or die together with you. I have the highest confidence in you, and I take great pride in you. He said, look, guys, I'm on your side, all right? You have greatly encouraged me and made me happy despite all of our troubles. What he's talking about here is this. He's saying, when we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. This is the apostle speaking. 
But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. Watch this. His presence was a joy, but so was the news that he brought of the encouragement he received from you. When he told us how much you long to see me and how sorry you are for what happened and how loyal you are to me, I was filled with joy. I want to stop and preach, but I feel I'm going to read on a little bit more. I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful for a little while. He says, look, I'm not sorry I rebuked you. I mean, it kind of hurt me that I had to, but I had to. Okay? That's when you've even seen me. I do it like this. I'm like, you still love you, pastor? Come on now, man. Now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because, listen to this, the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. Amen. That you got on your knees because somebody pointed out what wasn't right. I, this is not in my sermon, but I've got to have to meddle for just a moment. We all know, know how it is. Somebody gets in church, somebody goes into a program, somebody goes going through something, and they start doing real, 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 real good. And, and then one day we find out, where's so-and-so? And they're like, oh, you don't understand. They went back to their old ways. That's heartbreaking. It's sad. It's painful. When you've sown into somebody, you've spoken into them, you want to see them change. Can I get an amen? You want to see their lives different. You want, you want, but when you find somebody else, it's just as joyful. When you find somebody who, though they may have stumbled, they arise again, and, and it's 10 years, it's 15 years later, and you run into them and you say, How you doing? And they say, Oh, Pastor, I want you to know I've never forgotten what you taught me. And me and my family are still serving God. We're still obeying God. We're still walking in the faithfulness of God. Joy comes in your soul. Amen. But that happens when you realize something. Even good believers have to guard their hearts. Trouble comes. Problems come. Sin comes. Temptation comes. But you have to guard your heart because when you allow any junk inside of you, foreign material inside of you, it will keep you from being able to pass through to the journey God's planned for you. You've got to deal with it. You've got to grow. Pastor Don, what do you want in your pastorate? I would have told you something 27 years ago. Now I'll tell you, I want I'm done. I want to have done my best, and I want people to have fruit that remains. Amen. Can I preach on a little more? It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. And this, when you heard about your sin, watch this. So you were not harmed by us in any way, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. Not talking about being saved, born again. It's talking about God delivering you from what has a hold on you. Watch this. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but watch this worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. Okay, I'm going to come around to that in just a moment. Just see what this godly sorrow produced in you. It produced an eagerness, such concern to clear yourselves, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, and such a readiness to punish wrong. You showed that you have done everything necessary to make things right. My purpose then was not to write about who did the wrong or who was wronged. 
I wrote to you so that in the sight of God you could see for yourselves how loyal you are to us and we have been greatly encouraged by this. We have been greatly encouraged that when wrong was exposed, you got up and you, re- you went to an altar and you got right with God and when you got back up, you had changed and you've been walking changed ever since. That's what God wants. God doesn't want us dragging in here every Sunday going messed up again this week. But God wants us coming in here and there's times we will have messed up. But there's times we need to come here and say, the enemy came, but my father was faithful to me and I've won the battle and I'm going through and I'm going to help somebody else win it also. Pastor Don, I'll never be one of those warriors. Not if you keep thinking like that. You know what one of my favorite things to do? I love to watch those little horse movies. You know what I'm talking about? The little horses that win the big prizes. I like to watch the little horse from the middle of nowhere that nobody expected to be able to run. There is no chance looking at me anybody ever thinks I'm a little horse, but I'm a little horse at heart. I'm probably more like a Clydesdale, but anyways, come on, amen. But I'm a little horse at heart because I watched, I saw one, I couldn't sleep the other night and I thought, well, let me just put this on and maybe it'll put me to sleep. And before long, it was like 2 a.m. in the morning. I'm sitting there going, run, run, run. (laughs) Because the little horse was winning. Sometimes you need to be that type of person in your heart that says, all the odds are against me. I was born into this. I was born into a heritage that's wrong. I was born into these struggles. I grew in this. I was wounded and that's why I went down this path. But I am not going to let the odds being against me to keep me out of the winner's circle. I press on toward the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Got to press on. What we find here in this passage is a contrast from being sorry for our sin and repenting of our sin. Worldly sorrow versus godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow doesn't bring lasting change. Worldly sorrow only causes us to writhe in anguish over the consequences of our actions. We're just sorry we got caught. We're just sorry we had to pay the price. We're just sorry for those things. But godly sorrow, listen to me, Godly sorrow causes us to be broken at the foot of the cross over our sin. Listen to me. And when we become broken over our sin, sin's hold is broken over us. You leave that up there for a moment. Get your phones out and take a picture of that one. Come on now. Y'all always like, I like that point. That's a point. Excuse me for patting my own point on the back. That's a point. But when we become broken over our sin, then sin's hold is broken over us. Come on now. When you are at the point, it's no longer I got caught. It's, oh my God, what did I do? What was I thinking? Your blood has been faithful to wash me clean of all my failures. And yet I go back into a sin. I invite that sin into my life. I invite those struggles into my heart. 
Oh God, what have I? David said it this way. He said, God, against you and you alone have I, have I sinned. God, in other words, God, it's not anybody else's fault. It's not circumstances. Not, nobody failed me. To the point. I did wrong, oh God. God, can you create within me a clean heart again? Can you renew a right spirit? Because when you get broken over your sin, then that's what brings the breaking that holds that sin to you off. It breaks off of you. Because you finally have been broken over that. I don't want this in my life anymore. Just listen to what verse 11 says. Again, just see what this godly sorrow produced in you. Such eagerness or earnestness, excuse me, such concern to clear yourself, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, such a readiness to punish wrong. You show that you have done everything necessary to make things right. Wow. He said, you didn't just go, okay, I'm sorry. You said, all right, what do I need to do to make this right? What do I have to pay back? Come on. My, I tell you, I have an uncle. He tells a story. His uncle was not saved until much, much later in his life. And, and he tells the story of how he was blessed on his job. He was one of the foreman's on his job. And he said, I don't know why I did what I did. I, I didn't even need what I did. He said, but one day as I was just walking out of the plant, I looked down and saw a saw sitting there and I just scooped it up and walked on, took it home with me. So I don't even know why I did it. I didn't need it. I didn't want it. He said, but I just stole it. No clue why. Just stole it. So I took it home and like never even touched it, put it in the garage. Never even used the thing. He said, I have no clue why I did it. He said, but when God saved me, I was praying to God and I said, God, is there anything in my life that keeps me from your presence? Is there anything in my life that hinders me from you? And he said, God spoke to me just as clearly and said, yep, that's all. And he said, God, they've never missed that saw. Son, you asked me what's blocking the path. That saw. God, if I take that saw back to them, I'll lose my job. Son, what would you rather have, your job or me? It's truth. He said he picked up that saw, walked in and set it down in his place of business and told him, I want you to know what I did. He didn't lose his job. By the grace of God, he kept his job. By the grace of God, he was shown grace even by his employer and eventually retired from there. But, but my point is this. Sometimes it might cost you everything, but repentance means you're not going to hold on to anything that will keep you bound. You are changed. You will be free by the blood of the Lamb. And you will allow that godly sorrow that breaks your heart to break every other attachment from the enemy. And it's important. Here's what it says repentance will do. It says that, that the repentance at the altar becomes a change agent. Okay? A change agent. That the first Greek word that we see here used in this passage, apologia, as a Greek word which means, watch this, they became ready to answer for what they were covering up. Okay? No more trying to avoid the truth. They would call it what it was. It was sin. They cleared themselves. 
I'm not going to have anything that chases me and threatens me to stay in the dark that if I come out of the dark that somebody might see that in my past. You have to clear yourself. You have to become determined that you're going to do what's right because you're not going to let anything pull you back. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and to cleanse us from all our wickedness. And we've got to start getting it out with Jesus first, and then Jesus will tell us if there's something else that needs to be done. He will tell us. All right, the next Greek word. You can say this one if you want to. Agnoctesis. I get pretty close there, Rich? Good. The Greek word here that was used means their sin made them angry. When was the last time you got mad about your sin? Come on. They got angry. You know what? This is the way I wrote it. Devil, you tricked me, but no more. I can't believe I did that, but no more. Come on now. You may have won this round, come on now, <laughs> and you may have cost me much, but no more, I will win the match. Come on now, amen. No more. I'm not going back there. I'm not, I, I don't care what. No more. It's an anger. The next thing that it said it would do with you is it would create phobos. And phobos is most commonly translated as fear but it can also be translated as alarm. I want you to get this. When I really deal with my sin, it causes me to be aware and alert of the danger. It causes me to be on guard. That every time you get near that danger, you put on the brakes. Can I give you a real life truth? Anybody who knows me knows that I have one consistent nickname among the men of this church. Are you ready for this? And, and they call me Turtle. Because if you ever rode anywhere with me, I really don't speed. I just kind of click along. We'll get there when we get there. Come on, amen. We were coming back from a trip, and they were like, Pastor, if you'll let us drive, we promise you we'll get you home an hour earlier. Well, in that, I mean, I've just always been that way. I was coming through Cleveland, Georgia a few years ago. And as I was coming through Cleveland, Georgia, I was coming down 115 into that school zone there. And, and as I was just coming along, uh, and there's a whole lot of conditions, and I could tell you why they're 100% wrong. But ultimately, I was going above the speed limit. I feel like I should justify myself, but I don't know if that'd make my point. Come on, amen. But I was going above the speed limit in that school zone. And they pulled me over in a curve just past there at a the gas station. And that little girl, it was her first stop and her first ticket to ever ride. And she, I got the joy of being her first ticket. <laughs> she wrote me a ticket with a mean old jerk looking over her shoulder. Come on, amen. And I thought, my Lord. I would throw a fit right now, but our television show is so big up here, all I need them to do is local televangelists arrested. Come on, amen. <laughs> I was so angry. But can I tell you what I do when I see the Cleveland city limits today? 
I put on the brakes. I slow down because I paid for my sin. That's that Phobos that's speaking of, that you are determined to put on the brakes because you're not going back. They may have got my money once, but they will not get it twice. You see what I'm saying? He said you get to that point that you make up your mind. He said you have such zeal and such readiness to punish wrong. You show that you have done everything necessary to make things right. Wow. There is a confidence that can be found that you know sin will not be repeated. Why? Because it's been dealt with. It's over. And it's gone. Why? Because we have come close to the heart of God at an altar. And as our heart began to beat in rhythm with His heart, the foreign material was revealed. And we had to get it dealt with. I'd love to tell you that your pastor has every ounce of farm material dealt with, but I started at the altar this morning just like you. God, forgive me for my wrong actions, my wrong thoughts, my wrong deeds, my wrong attitudes, my wrong feelings. Cleanse me, oh God. And it wasn't generic. God was pointing out exactly what they were. But then my heart joined with David's in Psalms 51 and 10. And I cried, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal or right spirit within me. I joined with the psalmist in Psalm 73, 26. May my, my health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Remember the words of Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life guard your hearts go to an altar get near the heart of God and keep going until you touch the heart of God and when you do everything will change That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.